0: Me arō koe ki o hini Ko ngārangi e kia Welcome to the Hui, Māori Current Affairs for all New Zealanders. E On the East Coast, there's a severe shortage of emergency health services.
1: We don't have an ambulance. We have one ambulance in Opotiki.
0: So the small iwi of Naitai has bought its own ambulance and is training locals to become iwi health responders.
2: I'm no doctor or anything but if I can just do a little bit to help someone you know but like maybe survive then that's all worth it.
0: And the unwanted stray cats and dogs in Te Thairawhiti and the
3: mobile SPCA unit trying to neuter as many as possible. You know if you think about one litter how many they create off one litter a litter of 12 puppies can just go on to create hundreds of puppies.
0: With ambulances taking too long to reach the community of Tōrere, just outside of Ōpōtiki, the local iwi is taking matters into its own hands. Ngaitai has trained nine people to become first responders, ready to spring into action in the event of an emergency. And as reporter John Boynton found out, the initiative is saving lives.
4: When whānau here on the east coast call for an ambulance, they're not sure if one will make it.
1: So because of people not being able to get access, quite a few have passed away for really no good reason other than isolation. I'm gonna take your blood pressure. Yeah.
4: So this small community of Tōrere just outside of Ōpōtiki is stepping up, becoming medically trained as first responders.
2: I'm no doctor or anything, but if I can just do a little bit to help someone, you know, like maybe survive, then that's all worth it.
4: They've even bought the sold ambulance, which currently isn't roadworthy and needs hundreds of thousands of dollars to be brought up to standard. But it's Kareen Taapuke's dream to see it serving her people.
1: Well, we want to stock it up and put all our medical things in, just have everything ready, and then it can be used for emergencies. Mm. Uh, you know, and a- actually just transporting people.
4: What is the reality of emergency services here in the area?
1: We don't have an ambulance. We have one ambulance in Portiki. and uh, that's on call, and then we have two in Fakatani um, and one in Kawarau. So it can take hours and yeah. sometimes 10 minutes is all it takes if people have had heart yes. attacks yep. uh, for them to pass away.
4: The nearest town is Opōtiki, which also has no hospital and limited a services. If Fano have an emergency here, they face a mad dash 45-minute drive on rural roads to Whakatāne Hospital. And there's currently only one ambulance for this remote region, which stretches to the East Cape, serving 13,000 people.
5: We have barriers to resourcing, small communities do, and getting a technical Knowledge at the level of doctors and paramedics.
4: Here at Torere MRI, Kareen Tapuke and Tracy Hillier have seen too many of their whānau die because emergency services didn't reach them.
5: Dying of third world issues like an asthma attack, a heart issue, you know, it shouldn't be acceptable in this nation.
4: So, during the COVID-19 lockdowns, Naitai Tai Iwi Authority decided to take charge of the health of its people.
5: How can we make a difference in this space to train our own people, to support our people, to engage in, in quality services?
4: They teamed up with emergency medical trainers ProMed and Whitsirea Polytechnic to train locals to become first responders.
2: When there's emergencies and that, we wanna be there to help our family instead of waiting for, you know, services to get to us. It could be too late.
4: And they now have the life-saving skills to assess medical and trauma conditions.
1: So we wear the medical lens when we go around as first responders. It's all about the medical needs of anyone and everyone. Mm. For our community and our hapū, our iwi, we're there
6: for them. And they know that. Mm.
4: They have. The project has been supported by Stephen Dennett, the only fully qualified paramedic in the area. Today he's teaching first aid to a group of local farm managers.
6: A cardiac arrest can happen just from the heart, or it can happen secondary to trauma. So we can have a car crash, for example, this is our second uh, first aid class. That, that's come out of, initially, the COVID response from last year. We, we, we've worked with Whiti and ProMed and uh, Ngai Iwi to create um, that partnership to ensure in the Māori communities that we're getting um, the education and awareness out there. We're seeing someone choke. We're unable to dislodge it. We're calling for an ambulance. When that patient goes unresponsive, you're going to do chest compressions.
4: What do you hope Fano take out of the course?
6: The willingness and ability, I think, to be confident and capable to help people in need, be it the afano or a work member.
4: One person who's benefited from the first aid training is local komatsua Jack Mihaide. He recently faced his own life and death situation after his face went completely numb.
6: We'd done a uh, first aid course about two weeks before. The uh, trainer at the time said, Don't piss her out. You're too far away. You can't guarantee the ambulance will get there on time. Go. So, hopped in her vehicle, and we
4: left. His granddaughter drove him to Whakatane Hospital, and he passed out from severe neck pain. Later, his doctor told him what he was experiencing. He called it a TIA.
6: But for them, it's a a mini-stroke. I I had a mini-stroke.
4: His sister, Ripeka Mihaere, says it's amazing to see the impacts of Ngai investment into medical training.
1: I mean, reality is he could have died. So I, I believe the likes of the iwi responders is, is very important because you're going to have them within your communities, people who know
4: um, the signs. What would your advice be to other Komatsu who aren't looking after their health?
6: The best thing for our own Health and safety is to be honest. Don't hide it, don't be a hero. I mean, most heroes are dead.
4: For Tracy Hillier, this is why she's developing a health system which empowers Māori.
5: The system has shown they can't meet or don't have a desire to meet our needs. When our people start moving from sickness to actually seeking wellbeing, Taking informed decision about their well-being and not waiting and lying in bed. As most of our people do, they don't want to be a problem. They don't. And they choose a real passive role. But seeing them move into well-being and making choices to engage with specialist services is just so awesome. And it is starting to make a
4: difference. Making a difference, which is keeping their people alive. Over the past year how many lives do you think have been saved because of the training you've had? Four. Since our course, since we took up this first responders, yeah.
1: And that's without any um, resources? It's just about doing what you were taught. I'd say at least two here. Mm.
4: So that's six farnos that still have their loved ones? Yes. yes. Yeah. That's that's mm. huge. Cool. Mm. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: We think it's huge, dear. Yeah, it's mean. <laughs> <laughs> Karawe, he muri ngā tairanga ka kouri rua u ke ro papa mana wahine I tuku Mai anō. Many of our most formidable wahine Māori have been giving evidence at the Mana Wahine Kaupapa Inquiry. The hearings are an opportunity to look at the impact and consequences of the past, such as the land wars, urbanisation, treaty settlements and the economic impact of COVID. Kei taku taha kai pai ko, Evans, rawa ko Tēnā kōrua. Tēnā, tēnā, tēnā koe. Koe. Ripeka, you are an original claimant. Um, the claim was filed in 1993 by a gr- group of ten or mana um, including yourself. What was the initial claim about? Do you remember?
7: Well, the initial claim was tenata te mehiatu ki a ki a koutou kua wehiatu mm. uh, ngā claim uh, ngā claimants, Ko ten of the sixteen original claimants of the Y381 claim. Uh, which was known as a Māori Women's Claim in 1993, has since passed, including Dame Mirazasi, uh, one of the leading claimants, and the six acts that survive are uh, claimants today. So the genesis of the inquiry, of the 2700 inquiry, was actually that claim. And that claim came about from the disappointment of Dame Mirazasi uh, to the Treaty of Waitangi Fisheries Commission 28 years ago. And really the issue that that triggered was really the issue of how could a woman of her status Mm. uh, be disappointed from a commission. And I think it speaks to the metaphor of the claim, the issue at the heart of the claim, which is really that that the Crown are um, trampling on the mana of Māori women. Mm. And that's really, in a nutshell, what the claim is about, about the Crown. Yes, breaches, but actually trampling on the mana of uh, mm. te wahine.
0: Another wahine, Iotupuna um, Te topi Topiora, she signed Te Tiriti. Um, she was a property owner, a tribal leader at a time where Māori outnumbered uh, the settler population 40 to 1 back then. I guess, how did Māori women lose their foothold in leadership? What, what have you found? Well, ita
8: te he, he, he mehi aroha taku Stefano or hohe hohe Mason, Hohepemason mm. Papa um no natiawa um he potokomanawa ia um he me te aroha ki ki mm.
0: um
8: yeah i am I'm now fortunate to be able to write about my tipuna and present present her story um to the tribunal and she, certainly she was an extraordinary woman Um, but there were many many women who were extraordinary um, as well and their stories have been brought to the hearings to the tribunal and it's it's just so fantastic that we're getting to hear about those women when in fact for many years there's well for so many years their stories haven't been told and their stories are important
7: Mm. yeah Mm. all the stories are really important like we've Recently at the uh, Tuapapa hearings in Whangarei, uh, innovated and established a dual process called Takapau which is really about recognizing that in the formal, more formal part of the tribunal, uh, we will hear from a vast number of uh, wahine, um, a small number of uh, tāne as well. But really it's about being able to provide a forum where women can feel that they can come forward and speak their truth. And um, that is what we have heard since the first uh, hearings in kirikiri And that will continue not just through the Tuapapa hearings, but it will continue throughout the rest of the hearings.
0: When you say speak their truths, is there any that stick out that, that um, have have made a, a, a real place for you?
7: An impact, I think mm. that... Um, all of them. I mean, it's hard to, hard to uh, kind of a, just but a few of them. I mean, Tanya's story of Rangi Topeora and that at the beginning, Ani Me mm. I mean, the original evidence that I gave was really spoke very much about the events that also triggered the the kind of thinking behind the whole mm. Manawahine claim. And you know, I'm thinking of people like Dame Mira and a uh, conversation between Dame Mira Zasi and. Um, and Media Simpson, who did the original research on the 13 Māori women signatories of the treaty. I mean, that was the first breach. That is the evidence that we present Mm. in this. There there was a breach of recognition of the rangatiratanga, of the partnership between Māori women and the Crown, and that those 13 women were in fact denied the right to sign the treaty, even though some of them, uh, they were all rangatira in their own right, but you know, you had Crown agents running around and saying, Māori women weren't, weren't rangatira and mm. therefore couldn't sign the treaty, but 13 of them did.
8: Mm. And I think so, that's, that yeah. is the story, isn't it? That mm. sticks out, well certainly for me that sticks out the most because um, we're, here we are talking about Crown breaches of the treaty, and yet only three, and as far as we can find out that there are maybe only 13 of the women who actually signed, and many, many more could have, in their own right, have signed that treaty. But for, what, the English laws, the English norms, English views against them, um, patriarchal views against women, they were denied. In fact, Rangitopi order, when she went to, to sign the treaty, she was um, stopped by one of the officials. Um, and uh, her, her brother stood up and said, let her, you know, sign this treaty.
0: So she yeah, <laughs> Waiho. Yes. Um, you, you've said that the demise of Mana has affected us not just spiritually, but actually physically as well. And you talk about um, health, the whole order of Mana What kind of, you know, how do we rectify that? How do we find equity and equality again? Well, the thing is, is that I think um, when we talk about
8: well-being, that whole concept of well-being, it's comprehensive. So it's not just you know we think about f- physical health mainly, mm. but there are many many aspects of of well-being that need, that um, deserve to be addressed and need to be addressed. I mean, mental well-being, spiritual well-being, cultural well-being, a number of different things, and certainly um, those are the issues that are being brought before the tribunal. And and um, you know we've got so many statistics since 1840. Mm-hmm. Um, that have uh, that um, some statistics of experiences of dis- of disenfranchisement of of disadvantage that uh, Maori women have experienced. Look, and, it's a big and, and claim. It's, not, yeah. it's a it's really a big, big claim.
7: claim. I mean fifty percent of the Maori population.
5: Mm.
7: It's not for the faint-hearted, this mm. claim. Mm. And so we can't expect that when it comes to things like remedies, for example, and action that we want to see now. Our, our women are impatient for change. Mm. They want change now, but we can't expect that we would ask or that we would demand anything That There's been breach of all three articles of the treaty. Mm. There's been breach in terms of Kawana tanga, breach in terms of not. Recognition of um, Te Mano Te Wahine in terms of our status um, as treaty partners, and there's also been breach in terms of the inequities arising from systemic racism. Mm. So um, how much is 181 years of pain worth? A lot.
0: (laughs) So we're still in stage one. We've got a few um, more uh, hearings to go. Then we go two and three. Before we go, we've, we've only got a minute or so left. I just wanted to ask you about the 40th anniversary commemoration, if you like, of the Springbok tour, where you were front and centre. And I just wonder if you could share some of your reflections this week, thinking back... To those um, times.
7: Well, looking back, you know, 40 years, there were three women that went into mm-hmm. the anti-springbok, uh, the springbok tour movement at that time. Myself, Don Arwitz, and Josie Keelan. We went in there with the express intention of turning, uh, of hijacking actually the anti-apartheid movement, making the anti-apartheid movement recognise that actually clean up your own backyard first. We've got domestic racism and let's do something about that rather than fighting foreign battles. Uh, which our people had done before. 40 years later, I think we it's, symbol, it, it's kind of symptomatic that now John Minto leading the charge against Palestine, what does that say about the anti-apartheid movement, the anti racism movement? Learn the lessons of history, don't
0: repeat them. Tina Kura, equally to the claim. <laughs> yeah, mm. Tina thank you for coming on. Kura mahi. Ah, uh, whakenei kai tiro ki o te tairawhiti. Next, we visit the east coast, where the SPCA is tackling an explosion of cats and dogs. The COVID-19 pandemic has affected so many, but not just human beings. Caught up amongst the lockdowns were our feline and canine whanau. Last year, fewer were desexed, which has led to one of the largest breeding seasons ever seen in this country. And it's resulted in scores of unwanted litters. Ruane Pereira went to Ruatoria, a town that's raining cats and dogs.
9: This papakainga in Ruatoria is home to a multitude of dogs. They're much more than pets for the kids. To Fallon Hodaki. her dogs are vital to their fano.
2: They bring in food for us. You know, our boys go hunting a lot to fill up our freezers, venison and the wild pigs, and they play a big, big role with our families. Not just my family, majority of families around
9: here. As well as her own animals, Fallon's recently taken in these stray puppies, and she's feeling overwhelmed at the thought of looking after them all. But it's not just the number of dogs. It's cats, too.
2: Lots of stray cats, but at the same time, you know, this is country, so the cats are handy. You know, they keep the rats away. So every animal's got a purpose, really.
0: Come
9: Come on, you little Chris. Come on. Come Jocelyn on. Hohepa and her mum, Queen Nata, are being overrun by these feral cats. You've been
6: here 30 years,
9: and you've had cats
6: on your door that long.
9: Jocelyn says this latest batch of newborn strays are the most she's ever seen at her mum's place in Tikitiki. This is the worst.
6: For me, it is a big problem here because there's so many of them. So this is the second letter, and I'll be honest, I took the last litter to SPCA in Gisborne cos what else could I do? That was six, and then another five popped up. There was another three before this, but we managed to rehome them. This is the third lot in the last how many months? Three months? Four months?
9: Yeah. Feeding this ravenous pack is a financial burden for her 93-year-old mum, but Kui can't bear to see them go hungry.
6: Tell me how much, Mum, you spend on cat food a week. I did the math for you one day. Up to $70 sometimes a week. It's $10 roll. And biscuits. The
9: overpopulation problem is caused by not de-sexing animals, a contributor to poor health and the spread of disease in strays. Most animals should be neutered or castrated at about six months of age, but it's an expensive exercise, costing hundreds of dollars. People in this community can't, you know, financially-wise, they can't do it.
2: When I was on a benefit, that was hard. We couldn't even think about getting them to the vet. It was hard enough just taking care of our kids, you know, feeding ourselves. Even for me, I'm working, you know, and I still can't afford to go to Gisborne and get our animals done. That's just, yeah, how it is up here.
9: Not seeing a vet means many of these animals go unvaccinated too. And that's why the region has the highest rates in Aotearoa for the highly contagious canine parvo virus, or dog flu.
2: It's a huge problem here in Rotoria. It's huge. You've had some dogs, by the Pavo? Yeah, quite a few. Quite a few. I've lost count, actually,
9: how many of our puppies have yeah. It's quite sad. <laughs> a simple vaccination could have saved their lives.
2: One shot, and they're right. You know, but it's just getting that shot is, you know, travel to Gisborne, especially for people on a benefit. You know, that's not realistic at all.
9: Help us here. The SBCA have set up this caravan, complete with a mobile operating theatre, vet and vet nurse. For the past two months, it's been touring Te providing essential veterinary services for around 500 animals
3: in the region. Provide food and water, so small light meals and lots of water, Okay. They're in Ruatoria for two weeks,
9: offering a range of procedures like de-sexing, vaccinations and microchipping, at no cost.
3: Yeah, 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 I know, it's much better.
9: Lindy McGee is a former animal welfare officer who manages the SPCA Centre in Turanganui, Akiwa. She's been trying to squeeze everyone in, and the need is
3: great. We were supposed to be up here May last year. We got derailed because of COVID. So, um, three years for the idea, two years in the planning, and we are finally here. It's making a bigger impact than than I could have ever imagined.
0: Make it convenient, make it affordable, bring the service to the people, and and they will come.
9: Vets have been in high demand, locals lining up to get much-needed treatments for their cats and dogs. When you heard it was just a koha donation. Yeah.
2: I just about had a heart attack. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. Grateful as for this right now, because up here, it's survival of the fittest. So this is like a godsend.
9: Animal owners don't have to make the more than two-hour drive to Gisborne to see a vet, which is another barrier to getting care. That's a huge ask
0: for animals to be transported that far. Yeah. They don't know what's going on, so for them that would be pretty traumatic. Mm-hmm. So here today everybody's just in their cages. We got them all settled quickly. You know, they'll be home having dinner. You know, they'll be absolutely fine.
9: I'm so sorry. Lindy says they've been emphasising to owners the life-saving benefits of neutering their pets.
3: Getting animal D-sex can prevent cancer. Um, That's what a lot of people don't realise. It is a big cancer preventer. For the boys, it's testicular. For the girls, it's the same as having a hysterectomy. This is one of our answers to stopping unwanted litters. And just, you know, if you think about one litter, how many they create off one litter, a litter of 12 puppies can just go on to create hundreds of puppies.
9: Because of COVID-19 and many cats and dogs not having the opportunity of being neutered last year, it's resulted in one of our longest breeding seasons, meaning animal shelters like this one are being overrun with abandoned animals from all over the East Coast.
2: When I was growing up, that's what we saw. You know, if there was an unwanted litter, you'd dump it. You know, so we thought that's how how it went. You know, we didn't know about getting them de-sexed or anything like that. It's not till I got older and realised, oh, you can. I reckon people need to be educated, especially the younger generation.
9: It's hoped this de-sexing blitz will finally bring breeding numbers down, and due to its popularity, the caravan plans to return to the East Coast.
3: We're seeing, you know, five- and six-week-old puppies for vaccinations here that um, are not old enough for de-sexing. So once they are old enough, they'll need to come down. We're hoping that the caravan will be back. So I think in the future, we'll do a lot more projects like this.
2: I hope that they could come back at least every couple of months. It would be awesome, you know, just for now. And then once once whānau start getting their pets done, you know, it'll slow down. And that's good news for these animal lovers. We've got to treat them with care and love. just as how we treat
6: ourselves.
0: If you've got a story for the hui, drop us a line on our Facebook or Twitter page. Uh, you can also find links to all of our stories at newshub.co.nz. Ngā manaakitanga o te wāhingaro i a koutou kato. NEW ZEALAND ON EAR.